0: Love should not be the reason to stay in the relationship. Wow. I mean, it's a reason to be in a relationship, but you need respect and trust and affection.
1: You're listening to Good Is In The Details. I'm your host, Gwendolyn Dalski, and co-hosting with me once again, the very talented, very witty LA lawyer, Rudy Salo. And for this episode, we are talking about romance, the difference between passion and love, and dating in the time of covid We're talking about dating apps, how you swipe, and our guest today is sex and relationship therapist, Dr. Rosanna Sita. She joined the pod in season one to talk about desire and communication in relationships. And this time we're talking about dating, how to identify toxic partners, and really what it is that you want out of dating. Now, before we get started, I just want to thank the listeners. Thank you for rating and reviewing the show. If you haven't yet, please rate and review the show. It helps us get a broader audience. And any feedback is welcome. You can get in touch, goodisinthedetailspod at gmail.com. And we're on Instagram, goodisinthedetailspod. Okay, now let's talk passion and dating and romance. So we spoke in March. We have had COVID going on for a long time. I know that you also do work supporting people with dating. So not just relationships, but single people. What is going on with single people in the time of COVID? What kind of support do they need? What is happening in the dating world?
0: So generally in the dating world, it's hard, right? And people need Sometimes they need to remember that there's hope after a couple bad dates, you know, they need to know that all the apps aren't, you know, just all these terrible people. So I do talk about that dating apps as the number one form of having, finding a partner right now, because there's no bars. There's, you you know, I mean, I guess there are, but it'd be hard to meet someone there, especially with half our face covered. (laughs) So the dating apps are kind of, that's where you go now. And I frankly love it because I think that it slows people down quite a bit. You know, before it's like, okay, you're attractive, let's text a little bit, and then we go meet. But in terms of time, that's not that efficient. (laughs) So this way, they say, okay, you're attractive, let's text, let's do, you know, a FaceTime, and then they get to know each other. So it's like a a little virtual date right there where you don't have as much anxiety because you're, you know, sitting in your bed at your own house. You know, you still have to get ready, but that's fun. And you're just in your own comfort. And so, you know, after a while, they can meet in person or whatever their boundaries are. But I like that a lot that it slows people down, especially sexually dating. There's really no more, oops, I don't know how that happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because everything is, we talked online for a few times. And then, you know, we went on a distance hike. And then, you know, they like have to build up
2: how have any of your patients or people that you're consulting with, are they the ones that are saying they're happy that it's slowed down or you, you as the counselor, as the, you know, the mentor, you're saying this is good that you've slowed down and, and, I understand the why, but when you tell them this is good for slowing down, like, how do you explain it to them?
1: Yeah, I
0: think they recognize it in in themselves often that they do speed up, especially women, actually, because oftentimes we jump into bed hoping for a faster way to intimacy, right? And so this way you have to get intimacy through your verbal conversations, which is a deeper type of intimacy. And so there's stronger connections made. So they do like that. Like, I really got to know this person. Actually, the most common complaint I hear is there's some things lost in virtual dating, like, you know, someone's stature or uh, their energy, things like that. So as much as you can have the same sense of humor and common likes and dislikes, it's once you do meet in person, it's not always a match.
1: Other than people using dating apps, what is some of the support that somebody needs? I mean, what is, I think what I want to ask is... What are some of the pressures that people have they put on themselves or culturally when it comes to dating? Like, oh, you should be dating. I know I would get that a lot. It's almost as though it was not allowed to be single, that Mm -hmm. it was like I was supposed to be. And then I would make myself uncomfortable by forcing myself to go on dates when it's not really what I wanted to do. So Mm -hmm. what kind of pressures do people have uh, for dating?
0: all of that and more. So a lot of times, especially as they age, as people get older, you know, you have your parents saying, when am I getting grandkids? (laughs) Things like that. Or your friend group, again, especially as we get older, people start getting married and some people are going, I don't don't even have a girlfriend. Like what's going on here, right? What's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. And so I think with all these pressures, um, social pressure and the pressure to say, hey, if that person can get somebody and I can't, something's wrong with me. And actually, many times, not all the time, but many times, the single clients I see come in with that question. I just can't find someone or, or nothing is sticking. What's wrong with me?
1: I read, did you ever read Aziz Ansari's book, Modern Romance? Or do you mm-hmm. know of it? Oh, okay. All right. Well, something his, the name of his show too? I, don't I, saw, know. I saw Usher, his show. No, no, no. But he was doing this examination of romance and saying that actually that long time ago, or not that long ago, but it would be that you married or you're with somebody who lived in your same neighborhood, that it wasn't this really romantic thing and that a lot of people, let's say our grandparents, they were together because they were from the same area. But now people want to be even more romantic and they're looking for the one. But the mm-hmm. problem is because of dating apps, mm-hmm. they are swiping, swiping, swiping and have a harder time committing to somebody or accepting somebody, not giving somebody grace because there's always somebody else to swipe for. Totally. So I, that's what I'm wondering is that I? it seems like there's this pressure for dating, but at the same time it's harder for, it seems like it's difficult for people to actually connect because there's, because of the dating apps, because the person that they're with can always be searching for someone else or the kind of trust is a different type of trust. For sure. Yeah.
0: Because you're meeting, you know, a complete stranger really, right? Mm -hmm. You're not on the block together. You don't have the same um, friends that, you know, in high school or whatever it might be. Yeah. And anytime you're committing to one choice, you're giving up on all the others. Anytime when you're getting a new job, you take this one and give up on the prospect of all the others. And so that is always stressful anytime we make a commitment to something. And I mean, yeah. And this has many parts too. When people are swiping, they have this idea of who they want, right? And so they're looking for like a certain type of thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that's the right person for them. Mm-hmm. Right, so it is hard. So that is part of my work with singles too—is to kind of get rid of all those um, criteria that they have. You know, all the boxes that you're needing to check, and really expand out so that you you widen your net, and they're more real people.
1: That's okay. So that's a good one. What are the criteria that should stay, and what are the criteria that should go? Like, I would say something like height. It's like that's not a necessary one. Like, I think that one can go. But what is a criteria that is a must. And this could also probably segue into, I'm interested in what you could say about identifying toxic partners.
0: Mm. The must are the same values. So if you are um, religious and therefore are plan on having a religious family, that's important if you want your partner to also be, right? Things like trustworthy, respectful, these type of characteristics of a person, like who they are, their character, their values, the really deep down stuff, that's what's important. How tall they are is not important at all. Mm -hmm. And what kind of clothes they wear, I hear that one a lot. Not important, so not important because you could also just, you know, buy them a lot of clothes at Christmas.
1: Uh (laughs) You can, like, there's some things that are We can buy you some clothes at Christmas. (laughs) There's some things that are such easy
0: fixes Mm-hmm. for you to swipe on somebody, you know, swipe left on somebody because of these fixes is, is really silly.
2: I'm, I'm somebody who's gotten a lot of clothes purchased for me over Christmases. <laughs> I, I, I'm a lifelong bad dresser because of colorblindness. Before, <laughs> before we advance, I just want to ask one really quick question, Dr. Sita. On our last episode, something that you addressed was the impact of ADHD and some sexual frustrations, which I found mm-hmm. very interesting. I'm curious about the constant swiping right, the constant swiping left. You know, Is that producing more ADHD? Can you become more ADHD in your, in your dating? Because one thing that I'm worried about with my kids is with YouTube and, and iPads and, and these devices in their hands, if they're not immediately sucked into a show, they just change it immediately. Like Having never been on a dating app and the swiping right and the swiping left, does it just, the, the, the physical setup of it, does it just set you up for disaster? Oh,
1: you lost your last word. <laughs> I think you said, does
2: really? it set you up for disaster?
0: Disaster. That's exactly
2: what I said, disaster. <laughs>
0: Okay. So I don't know if it causes, you know, more ADHD, but I do know that a lot of people will sit there on the couch watching TV and kind of aimlessly swipe. So it's a a little bit of a boredom Mm -hmm. filler sometimes. Sometimes people are very serious about it. And yeah, and the same person, you know, one day I'm very serious. The next day I am just like swiping because I'm bored. I'm done with scrolling on Instagram. (laughs) Now I'm, I'm swiping on this dating app. So yeah, sometimes it is just I'm not focused and I'm just looking for something to do
2: or someone. But, but, to but doesn't that set up for even more disaster? Because now you know you could shop for a partner with your thumb. That you're just you're not taking it seriously, and something like that needs to be taken seriously.
0: Yeah, so they have a choice, right? So if um, someone reaches out to them, they can then kind of, okay, let's pause the show or step back from the show, or they can just have fun, text away and be silly. A lot of times I hear they have really good conversations for an hour or two, and then They're like, eh, over it, and they'll never talk again. Terrible. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of bad, but when we're stuck in our home social distancing, there's also a lot of good.
1: There was somebody I dated and um, I really, I really really liked him. And when it ended, I was so sad and I was new to the dating phenomenon because I had been in a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. And then when that ended, then I was thrown into this world, which is completely different with of the dating apps and online presence. And I remember mm-hmm. this person, when I went out on a date with him, our first date, he already knew everything about me, which was weird because... <laughs> Before that, when I dated, things like Google and Facebook weren't a thing. So then I go out on a date and I'm like, I didn't Google him. I didn't know who the hell he was, but he knew everything about me. And that was just so bizarre. But anyway, I really, really started to like him. And when it ended, I was so sad. And I know a couple of my friends, they were saying to me, you just get on the dating app. Like, you should not be this sad. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, but I want to be sad. I don't know if I want to just get back on the dating app and start swiping. I feel like I really cared about this person. I was excited. And I'm going to be fucking sad for a little bit, get yeah. some ice cream and like wallow and reflect. I'm not ready, but I'm wondering if the dating apps, which I I see what you mean by they are good right now because it can slow things down, but are they doing something to prevent us from that very real emotion of how sad it can be when something ends? It's as though we don't want to be sad at all.
0: Absolutely. It catches up with you though. So, exactly the case of yours happens to people all the time in dating as well as you just got out of a long a long-term relationship and then the next day or the night of people will sign up yeah. on a on a dating app. Obviously, I mean they're very unlikely to meet someone in a real way when their emotions are so raw like that, right? It is an unhealthy coping mechanism. Yeah, I mean, yes, people use it unhealthily, definitely.
1: definitely. Are you supposed? okay, so how long are you
2: supposed to be sad? What is a reasonable amount of time to be it's sad? It's 90, 90 days, 90 days, I've read a lot on the subject. It's actually 90 days, so, right, Dr. Sita? But, wait, I've does never
1: it, heard that, no. It- <laughs> <laughs> but, because I'm thinking, okay, So what is a reasonable from like, uh, let's say how long the relationship has been and then who ends it? Does that, how much of an impact, like how long? And then also, I mean, what are some good dating apps? Like, are there ones that are better than others? What are the best dating
0: apps? Every one that people have said, I love, you know, Bumble. I love Hinge. There's an a counterpart that says bumbles the worst <laughs> you know uh-huh. hinges just for this type of person. everyone has different tastes. they're all different okay and even even the ones that have a reputation for being you know just a hookup one, marriages have come from those. It is what you make of it. it really is
1: mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, what's a normal normal getting time? Over time?
0: There really isn't one and whether you break up or not, it's more about closure. So how many of your questions have you got answered and how big are they, right? So if you're broken up with no word on why, that's going to keep you guessing for a really long time. You're going to be spinning. You won't be able to sleep because you're going to you're gonna spin about why, why, why for a long time. Unless, of course, you can just go, okay, I accept this, but that's very yeah. difficult. It's more about the closure and, and the answers or even the, did I know I, I've tried as hard as I could have? Because if I can go to sleep at night knowing that I gave it my all, mm. then it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Hey, let
2: me- let me, let me ask a corollary question on that, doctor, if you don't mind. I'm, I'm, I've I'm been out of the dating world for a long time, uh, but, but I, find that, I find that very interesting because my approach to life in general is, did I go all in? If I went all in, then I could sleep at night. Yeah. If you're in a relationship or you're, if you're in a situation where you got to play games, there's part of you that's like, oh, I really want to go all in. I really want to be honest, but no, I got to play this game. I got to play that game. Is it really worth it? Is it worth it?
1: You mean if you're not going all in?
2: No, if, you, if you're if you in a relationship and you know you have to play these games in order to oh. get, do you know what I mean? Like, at that yeah. point, like, you should just walk away from that. But I'm not a relationship expert.
0: Right. So, of course, there are games we play in dating, right? Okay, you don't want to call every day. Like, there's little um, rules or games. Exactly. Of, exactly. Of, um, setting appropriate boundaries. Go
2: rewatch swingers and you gotta wait three days. You gotta wait three days to call them when you get
0: So it's not I mean at least the boundaries or rules uh that I encourage are not like so specific like that. If you said I'll call you tomorrow, call them tomorrow. Or if you said I'm gonna text you to make sure you get home safe, text them to make sure they got home safe. Do, yep. do what you say. Um, and it's not to make someone think you're not, not as into them as you are, or, you know, to play that kind of game, but just to be boundaryed and to kind of keep your fantasies about what the person in the relationship is in check. So, you know, you have one date and you're going, Oh my God, this is the best thing I've, <laughs> I've ever heard of. We're going to get married don't call him every single day that week. He's not your husband, <laughs> right? So in terms of boundaries, the way I teach them is not rules so much as boundaries to uh, that are realistic.
1: Well, since you said that because of COVID and because of lockdown, that that's actually slowed down the process, do you think, I mean, of, or let's say of, a, I I've actually seen this happen to a couple of my friends where they have gotten into relationships and it's actually really successful. And the reason is because they didn't meet in person. It was because they had to take all of this time over Zoom or over FaceTime Mm -hmm. to get to know that by the time they did meet in person, they felt extremely comfortable and it was good. And so is that one like, what is the main takeaway? When should you be getting intimate with somebody? How do you know when is it the appropriate time or if you're jumping in too soon? But I also ask that question, I want to be cautious about how I'm asking that question, because that is if you want a relationship, because I don't Mm -hmm. want for anybody to think that, hey, if they just want the physical thing, then that's somehow problematic. I think if that's something that you want, then be upfront about that. So that's fine. But let's say you're a relationship person. When is a good time to cue the intimacy? During COVID, you mean? Yeah, like I'm wondering if this is a lesson. Like, you know, first of all, we're learning like, don't shake everyone's hand. You know, like we're learning all sorts of things. We're learning how don't don't get me started,
2: Gwen. don't get me started. I know
1: that was for you, Rudy. We're learning, we're learning how long we can go without a haircut. We're learning so many things. Yeah, so no handshakes, staying away from each other. Some of these habits I think are going to stay even after a vaccine. And some of them are not all that bad. Like learning how to maybe valuing our time differently. Like I know for me, it's been actually really nice to work from home to not have Mm -hmm. that pressure so I can be with my daughter Mm -hmm. So and figuring out how to make that work. And I actually kind of want to keep that going even when there is a vaccine. So my point is we're learning a lot about how to live, what we can do and what we can't do. What are some habits that we should keep? when it comes to dating and relationships as a result of COVID that once there's a vaccine that we shouldn't go back to or that we should start?
0: Well, I love the idea of doing some sort of virtual meet before you go meet, it, especially in Los Angeles, the driving to the date, the parking for the date, yeah, <laughs> getting ready. It's a lot. So if you can just have that first meeting to see if there is any chemistry there, Why not? It's a much Mm -hmm. more efficient way of dating. And then you, you kind of already know the person and that way, you know, once we have a vaccine that way, if you do the second date as your in-person date, Mm -hmm. then you will have relieved some of the pressure already because you already know them. You already know, you know, they laugh at your jokes. You already know a little bit about them and you can just follow up from those conversations. So the anxiety will be less. Which makes people more authentic if you have less anxiety.
1: When does the physical intimacy come in? Because like you said, people get into that too early. When is too early? It's definitely, you know, every
0: person's own boundaries. Only you can figure that out for yourself. But I would say is if you ask yourself why I want to do it. And the easy answer, everyone's going to say, because I want to have sex, right? Because it feels good. But let's pause on. Okay, give me a second reason. Why? And then the whys really come out. So because I wanna see if he invites me to stay the night to see if he really likes me. Because I want her to know, you know, this about my body to make sure we can continue a relationship, things like that.
1: Oh, that's good. Rudy, did you have
2: I I I, I can't speak to any of that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out of the game for so long. I did try to prepare for this and I'm trying to it's a- study relationships and uh, all this type of type of stuff, but I'm like an old man. You, I'm, but, I'm useless to you.
1: But Rudy's Rudy is tall and has great hair. So if you were in the in the dating app, you, know, you would have been like you would have just been swiped on all all sorts you know, of yeah.
2: You know, you, you could have thrown in a handsome there, but I get it. No, I get it. <laughs> I I'm, I'm not too hurt. That's okay. <laughs>
1: um what are toxic partners? Since people are so different, what is something that we can say, okay, no, in in any scenario, this is toxic and this is something that you should be aware of. And I'm also wondering if there's kind of a scale, because from what I've read is that it's not that somebody is, let's say abusive, it's not all of a sudden, but there are increments and where somebody kind of can get used to gradually um, you know, some sort of a bad behavior or toxic behavior. So what are some signs of a toxic partner or attributes? An
0: overarching one would be if the partner or the relationship prioritizes love over anything else. So I love you, so it's okay that I disrespect you. I love you, so but I don't trust you, but I love you. So that should mean everything, Mm -hmm. right? We don't need to be affectionate, but I love you, so this should fix everything. But that's toxic. Love should not be the reason to stay in the relationship. Wow. I mean, it, it's a reason to be in a relationship, but you need respect and trust and affection.
1: I think this is an important topic because there's also been a lot of literature that it's not uncommon for girls in high school in their dating relationships to have an experience with an abusive boyfriend. So I think that that's, wow, well, that that idea of saying "I love you" and then therefore it's trying to excuse anything that is hurtful. That's toxic. Gosh. Like I'm, I'm so just I'm stuck sorry. On sorry on I called you episode. this and that name,
0: but I love you.
1: You know, like I think that there's a lot of teen romance or romantic stuff that prioritizes love in such a way that it makes it sound like that is the be all end all. And and what you're saying is no. And I can see why. Like even something it, like, it, it like Twilight or Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Mm-hmm. Like they these really popular things that women were gravitating to. And it was extremely upsetting. Those stories were so disturbing and mm-hmm. i became intrigued by the fact of their popularity and i'm looking at it and thinking like the character bella from twilight i mean she has no personality she has no interests she falls down a lot like she's uncoordinated there are, there are no redeeming qualities about her and yet this 100-year-old Hasty vampire is in love with her and her only goal is to be impregnated by him. Even though this would like risk her life, she doesn't want to go to college. Like, I can't believe that this is what everybody was so excited about. And then you have the Fifty Shades of Grey that's apparently paralleled after that, which also I looked at and I was just kind of horrified by what is going on here. Is it recycling an old idea or is it a new idea? But the fact of its popularity shows that what you're talking about of a toxic partner seems like it would be harder to identify because the most popular stuff out there is highlighting a toxic partner.
0: Right. It's passion above all else is the, are those two examples? Passion, love, which of course are not the same thing, but they, especially in movies and books can be, look the same passion and yeah. love, right? In like every TV show, love is passion, but it's not really, there's a lot more to it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's I'm passion. also thinking about when you said like, I love you, but I don't trust you. So would that be like a partner being possessive or controlling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Huh. You can't
0: be friends with this person because I love you so much. I mean, they wouldn't say that exact sentence. But that's what they mean because because I want you all to myself. So it can sound romantic, right? But it's controlling. They're trying to assert
2: their power over you. Hey, doctor, I got a question for you. Yes. If things are going easy and things are comfortable, and if and and you know, if uh, I, I I'm not I don't want to use the word boring because I know that's you know. You can go and you can do some research and say, "Well, love is boring, and proper love is this, mm-hmm. and proper love is that, but do people mistake passion uh, y- you know when you say the mistaking of passion for love i'm trying i'm tr- I want to tease that out a little bit. Is there anything wrong with love being boring? I mean, is that I don't want it boring is terrible. it's like there's no sexiness there, but right. what's what's wrong with being able to have stability to have something to rely upon to grow, knowing that you know, you don't have to have any drama, i.e. no toxicity. Do you think the movies and, and, and everything else that's out there is ruining people think, well, if it's boring, then it's not love?
0: Absolutely. A lot of clients of mine come in for this. They think that, you know, the boring is used often. But what, as you're saying, what they really mean is not that it's boring. It's that it's comfortable, safe. Um... Safe.
2: Safe. That's a great word. Safe safe. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah. And then in terms of sex, it also means we know how to get each other off. So that's what we go to every time. Instead of the exploration and the, you know, the throw down, the passionate stuff we see on TV, what's wrong with us? And so nothing. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. But what is wrong is seeing how the media portrays what love should be, And comparing yourself to that.
2: I couldn't agree more. I actually think 100%, and this is exactly what, I mean, I'm just jumping on off of what Gwen was saying. There is this idea of, you know, well, what's interesting, these love stories, these teenage stories, these everything, that it has to be stressful, that it has to be life or death, or else it's not love. And Mm -hmm. that, I feel, is what we... I mean, even in cartoons that we watch where, you know, the princesses and the princess, they're separated by this and this and and all this other type of stuff. So we're conditioned from an early age to think love must be stressful Mm -hmm. because that's entertainment. And so I think it's incumbent upon parents to be like, hey, this is entertainment. That's not real love. Correct?
0: Yeah. You can say it and you can live it. So just how you and your partner parent or your relationship, your children are watching. And so if you're not having the big blowout fights, then they know, oh, real relationships don't, you know, uh, holes aren't punched in the walls (laughs) in real relationships
1: it's not only like the toxicity, but it's also this idea of, you know, the impossible to get person. And mm -hmm. that's also not a good idea, I don't think, or like the bad boy or whatnot. It's like, stay away from that
2: person. It's so stressful. That is so stressful. (laughs) You're not going to be able to achieve all the things that you can achieve in life if you have that constant stress. Right, doctor?
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that it comes down to is, what do you really want? I go, <laughs> what do you want? Why do you want the, you know, the forever bachelor? Why do you want that? Lots of t- times that is because I want to feel worthy of somebody of that stature. So the problem really isn't, the problem is their self-esteem or how they receive love or have in the past, how they feel love. So this is why therapy is important because you can go through life just saying, this is what I want and swipe on those apps thinking you're looking for a specific thing that fits you but you may just be going through your own unhealthy thinking.
1: What do you think of the attachment theory? We talked about that a little bit. It, do you uh, or just yeah, just any any I, thoughts I work on with it? it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, when know. you were saying so. that ungettable person, but, so that's an avoidant attachment person and then what happens? He gets someone who is anxiously attached and that person is chase chase chasing. Yeah. <laughs> all around and it's terrible.
1: Well, I'm also thinking with the, you know, like with the controlling or with the toxicity that that might be why it's so important for people to spend the time when they're young to work on their self-esteem by self-esteem. And I mean like achievements, like whatever Mm -hmm. their talents are, if it's Mm -hmm. in sports or some other thing, because when you and then to look forward to the future, to doing that more, because when that is built and you have a good friendship, then it's harder for somebody to come in and to try to disempower you if you yourself already feel it. Like you you can recognize somebody trying to control you when you already are confident in your own power. I think that's why things like, you know, athletics are so important or any other clubs or extracurricular things are so important, especially for young girls, but I don't want to leave guys Mm -hmm. out of this. Because guys can be, I mean, I don't know, what is the set of problems for guys? I mean, just maybe this idea of the, the conquest or the locker room talk to just be disparaging toward girls when they don't really feel that way, but then they're starting to say these things in order to make themselves feel good. And then it's disallowing them from engaging in genuine relationships. If there's this pressure to look at women in a particular way, I'm talking Mm -hmm. about heterosexual, like obviously I I don't know much about same sex relationships and other types, but yeah.
0: So men have the same difficulties in relationships as women. There are many anxiously attached men. I think we see that as the forever bachelor is a man and the girls are like chasing them, right? Not necessarily. There are many women who are avoidant and many men who are anxious and it's really hard for them. And this is where they go to those like um, rule dating books, which I do not recommend whatsoever. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of client for those people you know, are for those books, <laughs> they're anxious and they need these rules. They feel like they need these rules
1: to make them more masculine. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah. Oh, those, but, those rule books. You mean like, wait, what was that one guy? It was like the yeah, game. The game. Mm-hmm. And, oh, yes. Wait, wait, that's been around for a while though now, yeah, right? There's all kinds though. But wasn't the idea like to, what is it that where you, you put a woman down or something? You're basically a little bit mean to her, flirty, give her no attention. Yeah. So that's, that's where I think the self-esteem for a young woman is important because if her that is strong and she's also got a good circle of friends, then hmm. if a guy came up and said something like that, it would not work. It would, there's no way that that would work. Hmm. Huh. The game. That's right. What were some of the other... I don't know. There's a lot of them. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. But I think women also are, you know, this pressure where they're supposed to like catch a man and they're supposed to be so, uh, you know, so coy and everything just mysterious or whatnot. And then it doesn't allow for the women to, I don't know, just engage fully, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Dating seems, dating seems to be so. so It is really hard.
0: It's really hard. Dating is really hard, but so are relationships. And I might even say they're harder being in a relationship. So, I I mean, I just want to say that because I think when you talk too much about the troubles of dating, it gets really, it can be really hopeless,
1: but it's just, it's also really fun.
0: It can be really fun and you can find great people.
1: Yeah. So we want to be, we want to be encouraging. Well, you know, something else that I think is interesting is that, I mean, because of online dating, there is a different, like a huge uh, age range. For dating, which I don't think has always really been. It's been like when you're younger and then, I mean, like our grandparents age, like mm-hmm. you're younger than you get together with somebody and it's more of an arrangement, you know, it's not this romantic thing. But yeah. now you can be like, there's no
0: in location.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think especially for women of a certain age, that if you weren't married by that age, then you could just say goodbye to romance. And that's simply not true anymore. Exactly. Like you can, you can. There's still lots of dating, and you can still enjoy yourself. And yeah, I think that's you something that's really filters.
0: Cool. You set the filters to find like people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great things about about dating, but. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> well,
1: no, we should say that. it's not, it's not hopeless. It's a. Okay. it's not at all. Well, I should just say, but Rudy, I mean, just the fact that you're like, well, how tall are you? Six foot two, six foot two. See right there. You're already like, you've got all the swipes. You're just, that's, that's all you had to do. You really? To, six six foot, six foot you, two. You, you don't even have to. All right. Six, I'll just, six, yeah. six, like, like, just I'll tease, that's I'll just what the dating the scene is like. <laughs>
2: Six foot two, one hundred ninety five. We should also Same. say
1: you are happily married to.
2: I am. Five. I'm very happily married. I <laughs> we like, should also
1: say that. But I mean, that's why I, was,
2: that's why I was asking those questions about quote unquote what's wrong with boring. There's nothing wrong with boring.
1: <laughs> I just had to ask, what is sexual anorexia? I saw that on mm. your that that was something that okay, you. I'm,
2: uh, I'm gonna go ahead and be silent now because that's uh, you, told, you said the sex word.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> so sexual anorexia is basically when somebody pushes sex away for various reasons, but sometimes it makes people very uncomfortable to a point where they don't think they deserve it, or they they're afraid of not of sex, but of how they are they come across in sex. So it's it's a whole thing of basically pushing it away.
1: I've never to, heard of that before. So to kind of control the situation, control the relationship. Okay, all right. So wait. So it's a. So it's something <laughs> that somebody's doing to somebody else.
2: This is different than sexless marriages, uh, or is it the same thing? I'm sorry, because I'm I'm going to tell you right now. I've never heard of sexual anorexia ever.
1: Yeah, so good it's, for you, Rudy. Good for you.
2: No, no, <laughs> that's not, not me being. A, look, I, I look. I find these topics <laughs> fascinating, and so, and you know, we have a lot of single friends, and I like to be able to talk about this type of stuff. This is a term I've never heard of, so I'm, I'm yeah. Really I've never heard interested. it either.
0: Yeah. So it is different than a sexless marriage because that a sexless marriage implies a that there was once sex, and then it's gone. So we, when we started dating, and then now we've been married, and we have sex on my birthday. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's a sexless marriage. People. I'm glad sexless- you said that because
2: I because I, I actually don't know what that is either. But uh, that that was a good one. <laughs> that, that was good, right? Come on. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: I, know. sorry no. I believe they're defined as um, less than six times in a year is considered a sexless marriage.
2: What six times in a year? Not not like okay. I'm I'm okay. Go, go on. Sorry, Rudy. No no no. I'm sorry. That's crazy. I really I didn't know what sexless marriage was either. I I'm so clueless. <laughs> <ruthless>. I'm so clueless. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: So mm-hmm. it's defined as less than six or less times a year. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Ru- yeah. Okay, Rudy. The look of shock. Okay.
2: I'm just. I'm like. How is that a marriage, doctor? Seriously. How is that a marriage? I'm. I'm really. I'm being serious from my heart. How could that be possible?
1: It causes a lot of pain. From what I've read, is that people are actually going through that right now because of COVID. So a lot of marriages are so stressed out about being around each other all the time, or somebody's lost their job. That a lot of people are, you know, not having sex. And um, but yeah, but a sexless marriage, that's that's a thing. And I mean, people don't talk about it, as they're said, they almost want to minimize, like it's just sex, but it's actually indicative of so much more going on, maybe how somebody feels about themselves, but then the person who wants it feels rejected and then just kind of feels like, well, we're married and so I'm stuck in this. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios. Most of it is due to relationship issues. Definitely.
0: Not always though. There's also, um, you know, trauma, um, pain with intercourse, stuff like that, that could be making you not want to have sex. But yes, it's, it's relational issues. It's a lot of not talking about things and it's a lot
1: of rejection felt, pressure felt, it's a lot of resentment. And from what I understand, it's hard to get started again once there's been a huge... Because it's kind of,
0: so, you know, because there's so much resentment that you have to like clean out all the layers of the years. So the longer it goes on in a sexless marriage, the harder it is to clean out all these resentment layers, all these anger issues. If, you know, if it is just one bad year, then it's one bad year and it's easier to jump in. If it's five, 10, 20, yeah. it, gets, it gets much harder. Then it's just, it becomes almost who we are. And yeah. so to comment on how is that a marriage? I mean, it's a marriage without all that other stuff. So it's, I suppose. I mean, some people do cuddle, kiss, hug. Some, some, some
1: do. Rudy's I not do for thing. any of that. He just.
2: I don't. I really don't <laughs> like cuddling and kissing, and then, well, kissing's good. Hugging? No, I'm against hugging. I'm. I'm I, I I
0: well, well, some people do just that. <laughs> Rudy's like
1: Rudy's so upset. <laughs>
2: It's true. Sexual anorexia
0: (laughs) is different.
1: Okay, so what is the? All right, so all right, so sexual anorexia is is someone they avoid sex, like stay away. They
0: dread it when it comes their way. They are fearful of it. Yeah, it's almost an inversion.
1: So, are they even in relationships? Sometimes, but it's very hard. Sexual anorexia.
2: Yeah, I almost I'm I'm actually kind of feel like. Doc, I'm not making light of the situation and I don't want to laugh about it. It sounds like you might have patients that deal with this. I mean, and that's gotta be really difficult for them. It's got to be really difficult for their partner. So I'm not, I'm not making light of this. I'm, sure. I'm just like, I've never heard of this before. What is it? And it's just so, even you're giving me this statistic about a sexless marriage six times a year and this other stuff is just so alien to me, thankfully, and, and probably some other people. But I understand that a lot of people must suffer from this. A lot of couples must suffer from this. I'm sure a lot of families suffer from this that I'm not laughing at it. I think it's a horrible thing, and I'm sure that's why what you do is so damn important. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it it is very difficult for people. And, of course, there are some in um, relationships, but often they're not because they're missing this.
1: Yeah, it's one of, I mean, ever since I started teaching philosophy of sex and love, a topic I really hadn't thought about before I ended up teaching the class and because a colleague, it was his class and then he left and the chair asked if I could take over the class and I took over it not really knowing what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. But um, I have such an appreciation for the importance of, of intimacy and how that, I mean, now after studying it, how it's not this separate thing, but that how it is part of a healthy and joyful life. And then we have a tendency maybe to to push it to the side. Maybe those could be religious teachings or that it's shameful or that it's naughty or something like that. But how much we would deprive ourselves if we didn't be open and honest and healthy about it and i think about this also for people in same sex relationships or somebody who's like spent so much of their time just pretending that they are not attracted to who they are attracted to mm-hmm. and the amount of stress and then i've actually seen it with a couple of people that when they are open about it just you can see them light up and how much they are enjoying their lives yeah it is a
0: huge part of our lives it's huge it's a connection it is not the connection, and I don't think it's the first connection we should make with people, but it is a huge way of connecting. Uh-huh. It is here is me in, you know, my nakedness, my first self, my true self, and here is you, and let's connect. Does it work? It can be very loving yeah. or it can be just pleasure. I mean, it can be a lot of things.
1: Let's wrap up. Mm-hmm. Any advice that you have for dealing with stress over the holidays when it comes to maybe maybe we 'll do we 'll do a, a bullet point real, real quick because I would imagine that the holidays are adding even more stress to romantic relationships. so what is some advice for people yeah, so if the holidays are stressful
0: you know, not in 2020, but but this year, especially uh, for the various reasons. And, And so the first one I can think of is the stress of if partners or the different families of the partners have different COVID boundaries. So with that, you will just have to talk about what to do, talk about what traditions you will be celebrating and what you do are not comfortable with and find some sort of middle ground there or, you know, make your own traditions, but ahead of time. So it shouldn't be like Christmas is off or, you know, whatever holiday you celebrate is off. No, no, do something different. Yeah. Maybe it won't be as good, but if there's anything we've had to be in 2020, flexible is it. And we can be it through the holidays as well. We'll be creative and flexible and come into the holidays with this understanding so that you don't get into any fights. And, and then, you know, with all the holiday craziness, also finding time to connect is always important. And by that, I mean, just have conversations together and have some sex. So if <laughs> Things are really busy now. They're about to ramp up because of the holidays. So if you need to schedule it, you know, a date night or sex or whatever, schedule it. Just during the holidays. I'm not saying forever, but when life is getting, you know, picked up, make it a
1: priority. I think that's good. Schedule it. We'll schedule some sex for the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> that's hard. It's like shopping. Have I bought the turkey? Have I bought the yeah. Schedule that in.
0: I mean, who says it's not just as important?
1: exactly I mean how else are we supposed to get through all of the all of the other stuff I think that that's perfect totally yes Rudy did you have any so much thank you other
2: than to say other than to say thank you and stay safe stay healthy thanks for the great advice thanks for allowing us to have a little bit of levity with this very very serious topic (laughs) it's always good to see you
1: yeah good to see you Dr. Sita thank you you too Bye. bye Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Dr. Sita, for joining the pod again, and thank you, Rudy, as always, being just a fantastic co-host. If you would like to support the show, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/GoodIsInTheDetails. All right. So, have a good day. Wear your mask. Socially distance. And until next time, bye.